Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Are you tired of chasing success and feeling exhausted and disappointed? If so, join me in the Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle, where you'll learn how to show up with executive presence, develop a sought-after leadership identity, and advance at the executive level without it costing you well-being or close relationships. This is for you if you feel disrespected, ineffective, and frustrated about not being recognized for your value, are in a new role, or reaching for something big and notice unresolved issues keep you from being effective. Can't stop thinking, saying, or doing something that doesn't serve you, your career, or your personal life? Are judged by age bias? Have been passed over for promotion or hire? Have stopped dreaming big and believing you can have it? The Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Coaching Circle helps you change things that you don't like about your career and life by helping you honestly assess where you are now with all the outside factors, you know, the bureaucracy, corporate politics, personal agendas, posturing, relationship drama, and the internal factors like doubt, fear, anger, frustration, expectations, assumptions, and create a different outcome. Every day you have lots of thoughts and feelings. Take action on those and generate results, creating the life you're presently living. If we change just one of those things, the way you think about your day, your career, your abilities, the people in your life, anxiety over the past or the future or right now, the outcome is different. I know a little bit about progress. I went quickly from welfare to CEO of a $33 million organization after a very difficult divorce. And I found love, too. Success is freedom, not more hours. This is for you if you want to get off the treadmill to nowhere and feel respected and taken seriously with high emotional intelligence. Be the quickly sought after and trusted choice for any team, project, leadership, promotion, or hire. If you want to earn more, stop wasting time on busy work like hiring resume writers, getting another degree, going to conferences, relying on self-help books, ruminating, browsing jobs boards, blaming, complaining. Have self-control in your life choices, eating, exercise, sleep, relationships. No more snacking down your disappointments. You want to be included and close to the people who matter while it still matters. You'll get career information you have never heard before for fast 
track advancement, leadership impact plan that is personal to you, tools to maintain your executive presence and value proposition, a well-being planner mailed to your home, as well as personal coaching for your personal situation. All you have to do is go over to maryleegannon.com, click on coaching, and learn more about Mindful Leader Satisfied Life, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to episode 44 of the Still Space podcast. What if everything is already working out and you just don't see it? Remember when you were a small child and you wanted that one special present for your birthday or holiday? You wanted it so badly that you could dream about it, talk about it, describe it in detail. You used to lie in the grass in your backyard and see it in the cloud formations. You may have even drawn pictures of it. You envisioned yourself using it, playing with it. You probably talked to your friends about it. Surely you told your parents about it and maybe even your grandparents about it. Then when that first day came around and you actually got the present you wanted, you were filled with excitement. You could just explode with happiness. Remember unwrapping the gift and lifting it up as if it were a treasure. Remember the crisp new color. Remember playing with it, the texture of it, what it smelled like. Remember the sound. Remember showing it to your friends. This is exactly how you want to see your life. Just like a present, a precious present, selected just for you to bring you all the uninhibited childlike joy and wonder of a new bike, a new jacket, a new game, a new toy. And when you see your future this way, I'm telling you, it will happen. This isn't blind positivity. This isn't faking things are great. This is envisioning life by design. And in contrast, if you see fear and apprehension and rejection and devastation in your future, we draw that to us. We're playing to what our mind is telling us is going to happen. You are at a place where you can begin to write your own story. Every day is a new day. And this tale will take you to places you never thought of, you've never seen, and give you experiences you've never even dreamed of feeling. You're the author of this story. Take yourself where you want to go, not where you're being dragged, but where you want to go and know that you belong there because you deserve to be there. Recently, I attended an awards ceremony for a friend who was retiring, and it really struck me in a way that I have carried with me since and will probably affect me the rest of my life. During his speech, he thanked his wife, his best friend and partners, as well as his colleagues and clients. Then he made what I thought was his most profound remark. I never applied for a job that I was qualified for. When he said those words, they immediately struck me. I felt exactly the same way about my own career. This person, who had achieved immeasurable success, was at the top of the corporate food chain. We were all shocked to realize that he didn't start out qualified in any of the roles that he was in. 
He stretched out of his comfort zone, knowing that while he might not have it all, not all the skills, not all the sphere of influence, he had the confidence to take on a new challenge and develop the skills to achieve. He felt that he could apply the attributes that he did possess, attributes that I know that you have, and that I would describe as characters strategic thinking skills, dedication. In my experience, these qualities are intrinsic and not taught. You're born with these qualities. They are transferable because you can use them in any profession, in any industry, and in any role. We all have character traits, strong character traits. They may lay dormant at times or have been stifled for a while because we've been afraid or intimidated or disappointed, but they are there. And who you are as a person cannot be learned in college or by reading any self-help books. These qualities that make the greatness of you are the very fiber of your being. Value your qualities of kindness, patience, charitableness, compassion. Bring those qualities to everything that you do. And one more thing happened that night at that retirement party that sticks with me as much as this comment. He was really sad to be leaving his profession, to be retiring. He was extremely emotional. He had given his heart and soul to this organization. I was younger in in my career and I was striving to be as the best that I could be and I was admiring him and I watched the CEO and the other leaders in the C-suite come down to that party, look at their watches, hear and see this man's emotion. He gave so much to this organization. This was a, a multinational organization and the leaders of that organization couldn't wait to get out of that retirement party. And it just broke my heart. And I made a vow sitting there that day that I would never give all of myself so much to an organization that when I left it, I felt my identity had expired too. And that's how I felt when he was leaving his role. Here was this wonderful man with a wonderful soul that gave everything in him to his role. And in the end, the leaders of the company that he worked for were going to replace him and never look back and couldn't even stay the whole time during his retirement dinner. It broke my heart. And I am a very hard worker. I will give 150% to whatever I do, but I vowed that day, I do not, and I encourage you the same, do not tie your identity to your role, because that role could change. Your organization could hire somebody else, lay you off, terminate you. I want you to have an identity as a leader, as somebody who is grounded in your character, grounded in your work ethic, grounded in your transferable skills and your value proposition, such that when you leave an organization, all of those things go with you. You're not retiring your identity when you leave an organization. And sometimes we're forced into retirement by a reduction in force or whatever until we can find something else. Don't tie your identity to your title or your role. 
Find ways that you can shine using your transferable skills, but don't link your persona to that title. Now, here's a little bit of what I call a rule break. You need not know everything about a topic before you can work on it. Take on a challenge for which on the surface you may not be qualified. Expect, expect that you will triumph. Why will you be able to triumph? Because you have the transferable skills of being resilient, of being tenacious, of being savvy. There are no rules that say you won't be able to figure it out. List what attributes you bring to the challenge that nobody else can. And that's where you're going to shine on a team. If you believe that you can do it, you will find a way. What you desire will not come to you unless you expect that it will. When you are open, you will pull on your signature strengths and you will see a different way to get to where you want to be. So here's an example. I'm working on a challenge right now in my office. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know how to go about doing something that I don't know about. We're investigating how to do monthly giving in a philanthropy office. So what do we do? We call up other people that we know might be doing it that are colleagues in the same industry, but we're not competitors. We talk to them about it. We go to online resources and we investigate different ways that we can do this. We look for reports where people are reporting what their monthly giving is. And so we become a little bit more familiar with it instead of sitting back and saying, oh, well, we can't do that. We might fail. And then we play small and then our results are small. What you desire will not come to you unless you expect that it will, not because you have expectations, but because you know yourself. Creativity is imagining something new. Innovation is getting it done. Be innovative. How about making a list of things you already know? Right, I have organized and list examples of things you have planned over the past several years. These could include home finances, a project at work, a schedule for your children's sports teams, a sale at your place of religious worship, a professional association committee, a fundraiser for a school, a family reunion. How about number two, write I feel and list all the feelings you felt when you were at your best, when you were soaring, when you were doing the things that you're called to do. Then maybe write, quote, before I die, I want to, and list 10 things. Here are the things that you really want to do in your life. It might not be the big fancy house or big car. It might be a special vacation. It might be write a book, whatever it is. We get down to the level of what that is when we see how brief our life is, how much impermanence must be accepted in our lives in order to feel fulfillment. None of us are going to last forever. We're, none of us are getting out of this alive. So let's be purposeful about every single day. Another good thing to list is, if my house was burning down and I could only take three things, I would take what would that be? I know in my house, I have a journal that I kept when my children were very little of funny things that they said. And these were probably from about the age of three to about the age of nine. Mom, if the moon falls out of the sky, can we bring it into the garage? I mean, who can even think of stuff like that? Uh, Just really funny things. That is the number one thing 
that I value in my house. That one journal, because nobody could ever replace that in any way. A lot of people feel that way about their photographs, although most of them are online. What is it that you value? Just one or two or three things in your house. This helps us to focus and realize the power that we have in knowing what it is that we're good at and what we really want. What if you were to write, quote, nobody can take these things away from me. Now, these aren't tangible things. Might that be your sense of humor? Might it be your resourcefulness? Could it be your tenacity? Could it be your desire to stay in shape? Your ability to read? Your ability to take mindful walks or whatever it is that you enjoy? How about answering this? The last time I let somebody really help me was, when was that? Because we try so hard to look like we don't need help. And when we can actually be vulnerable is when we find the most help. I know that when I was struggling in the early stages of my divorce, when I finally stopped pretending that I had it all well put together, I could be normal and humble and vulnerable and people came up to help me because I wasn't so standoffish about having it all figured out. And how about this sentence? The last time I really helped somebody else was and really helped, really showed up for them, not just assisted for a few minutes, but actually for a more intentional and purposeful period of time. Now let me tell you a little bit about Mary Ann's story. Mary Ann knew it was not a good sign when she found out her boss from Apple Computers was coming from out of town to meet with her. Sure enough, at the age of 40, Mary Ann was asked to turn in her badge and leave her public relations post to join the ranks of the unemployed. Many employees were being laid off as part of the company's cutbacks, but Mary Ann identified a luxury in her despair. Imagine this. She found a luxury in this despair. As a manager, she had earned five months of severance pay and 18 months of health insurance coverage. This gave her the breathing room to explore new opportunities. In her role at Apple, Marianne had promoted the company within the federal government, working mostly with Walter Reed Army Medical Center telemedicine team. She was quite an expert at what she did. Telemedicine generally refers to the use of communications and information technology for the delivery of clinical care. It allows patients' records and videos of procedures to be transmitted live for immediate diagnosis and follow-up treatment. During her, what I call, meanwhile time, this is the time where if you've been laid off or you're at home sick with something or you have some extra time on your hands, that's your meanwhile time. That's the time to hone up on things. During this meanwhile time, Mary Ann had some planning to do and decided to channel her time in attending motivational seminars and listening to motivational tapes. She realized that as much as she enjoyed her previous position in public relations, she really wanted to be an author. I realized, she said, that all I needed to do was to make up my mind that I really wanted to do something, create a plan, and follow through with it. She never expected anything but good things to happen. However, she knew to ensure that outcome, she needed a plan. She was open to not being perfect. She wasn't seeking 
to make herself look good to anyone else. This was just an intimate relationship with herself. And since she had the short-term comfort of income from her severance package, as well as health insurance, she decided to take the risk of pursuing her dream. She sent a query letter for a book about telemedicine to a literary agent who, in fact, asked to see the full proposal. She said, I said to myself, I don't know how to do that. She had to research how to write a book proposal. She finished it and sent the proposal off to the agent. Within a few months, she had a contract on her first book, Telemedicine, What the Future Holds When We're Ill, which was published several months after that. Can you imagine? She didn't have the fear of getting rejected. She just went for it. She says, when you want something so much, you will find a way. And through her journey of self-discovery, Marianne was learning a lot about herself, which brought with it new changes, plans, and risks. She unfortunately suffered the pains of a divorce and the fears of relocating to California, where at 41, she took up adventure racing. How cool. She continued to write more books. Her goal was to have 15 in print at all times. Imagine, 15 books in print at all times. She supplemented her income with consulting in the public relations field, and Marianne remarried a motivational speaker who, ironically, advises clients on how to take risks. And the two moved to Colorado. She said our first date was a skydive. Imagine. Marianne says the challenges are very much like jumping out of an airplane. You could die, but you prepare yourself to just have fun by the level of preparation you put in before the dive. Don't just take risks, take intelligent risks, she says. The two moved to California. Today, Marianne is the author of 12 books and the founder of the Rudy Agency, a literary agency she runs from her home office in Estes Park, Colorado. I didn't always know what I was doing, but I realized that I had to plan and prepare myself, said Marianne, as much as I possibly could. I always knew I could figure things out. You just have to do it. I've interviewed a lot of people as a former newspaper reporter. And successful people do not have fear. They will ask questions or figure it out. They don't worry about being judged. Now I'm going to give you a mini quiz here and ask you to answer these questions, true or false, and see how your risk averseness measures up here compared to where you would like it to be. You are bound to fail along your journey to success. Do you believe that is true or false? If you are having a difficult time getting started at something important, it will help if you schedule specific time to work on it when you are most alert, rested, and energized. True or false? Now, true or false, do you do that or do you push yourself on habitual treadmills to nowhere just because you think working hard is how to get things done? I want you to reflect on that a little bit. Here, true or false, sitting quietly for 10 minutes and doing absolutely nothing but staring straight ahead or keeping your eyes closed will block your creativity. True or false? And that's simply a form of meditation. Sitting quietly with your eyes closed, following your breath in and out, helps you to ground yourself, 
not hear the voice in the back of your head, your ego that's trying to protect you, just allowing the more authentic side of you to rise to the surface. True or false, surrounding yourself with unsuccessful people will elevate your morale and inspire success. True or false? Who do you surround yourself with? We will go as far as the five people we spend the most time with. Are you stretching yourself to get to know new people? People that are doing things that you'd like to be doing. Observing how those people are doing those things. Next question. You are on a desert island without any responsibilities such as being a parent, a spouse, a professional. Rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest. People who rate themselves a 10 in this exercise are more likely to succeed. How did you rate yourself? And what do you want to do so that you can see yourself as a 10? Another question. The only limitations you have are those others impose on you. True or false? Limitations cannot be imposed on you by other people. We have to own our own perspective on our perceived limitations. It's not, oh, I would be doing this if she wasn't doing that. No, I would be doing this if I set myself up to succeed doing this. I can't continue to blame and complain. I know this because I spent a lot of time in my divorce blaming my unhappiness on my ex-husband, which was fruitless. It was my job, my opportunity to see where my signature strengths were, where I wanted to apply them in a value proposition to excel at my own rate, rather than waiting for somebody else to do something for me or to make me happy. Next question. When charting your day, do the easiest task first. Is that true or false? Most organizers will tell you, Swallow the frog, the difficult one first. Do the most difficult thing. Schedule that into your calendar and get that out of the way. Next question. Things are the way you think they are because they truly are that way. Your perception has nothing to do with your experience. True or false? Your perception has everything to do with your experience. Next question. Having potential simply means that you possess talents and abilities you aren't applying. Do you think that's true or false? Do you have qualities that you're not applying? Do you have potential that's not being realized? Successful people expect success and they expect it now, not later. They shift and adjust their plans 50 times faster than most individuals. In some circles, they are called movers and shakers for good reason. Do you think that's true or false? Another question. Successful people always reach their goals. Do you believe that? I know a lot of successful people who have had failures along the way. The art is knowing how to fail early. How about this one? The ability to, quote, sell, whether it is yourself, a product, or a service, is a key to success. I think everybody in every organization in some capacity is selling themselves, whether it's the product, the service, the work they're doing every day. And 
I don't know why people say, oh, I hate selling or I'm not good at selling. We are selling ourselves in every capacity in order to negotiate what it is that we want on any level every day. So watch the head trash of, oh, I'm not good at sales. I don't know that that's actually true because you're selling yourself every day. The ability to bounce back from adversity is not an element of success, true or false. What do you think about that? How about this one? Most of the nervous symptoms you experience before a presentation or interview are exactly the same as those you feel when excited. To the body, adrenaline is energy. Whether it has been experienced in a negative or positive situation, it's energy. Don't label that emotion as nervousness. Calling it excitement in your self-talk will channel that energy to communicate joy and confidence. True or false for you? This is true. The same energy that brings you down is the same energy that pushes you up. How about this one? The enthusiasm you give to your colleagues, audiences, and prospects will not be mirrored back to you. Do you think that's true? I don't think that's true. How about this? Successful people are fiscally responsible. No matter where you are in an organization and what you're doing, costs are important. Income is important monitoring those, making sure that you're aware of what the income and the costs are, show that you're interested, engaged, and measuring what's important. Last one, to demonstrate a sincere interest in another person's point of view and to help understand a point and remember it better, successful people restate back what they heard a person say. And that might sound something like this. So what I hear you saying is that blah, 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 blah. I'd say that's true. Simple tactic that anyone can use. So what I hear you saying is, insert what they said. That person feels validated. You now are sure what they said. And we're all sure that they meant what they said. And here's one last one that I want to add successful people have to be the person talking the most in a conversation. Do you believe that's true or false? Do you believe that you learn more in a conversation when you're talking or when you're listening? Deep listening, not where the other person takes a breath and you want to get a word in edgewise, or you're happy to jump in and tell them what they need to do to fix the problem. Deep listening is when you have no preconceived idea in your mind. You're listening mindfully to what they're saying and you're repeating back to them what we just talked about. What I hear you saying is this. So I think the takeaway here is that more listening provides you with more energy to come up with a great idea, to ask the right question, to be more impactful. In closing, I'd like to share an intentional practice for when we feel confused. It's a very good time to just take a very deep in-breath and a very slow out-breath and say to ourselves, I sense my body. 
because when we're confused, we're very much in our head. And when we can get back into our body, it brings us back to being in the moment in that still space where we have the ability to find peace. So I sense my body. I recognize with my in-breath and my out-breath. I recognize kindness, the passing of thoughts and feelings of fear, self-doubt, and confusion. I notice the kindness that I can give to my confusion. I calm my heart with the gentleness of my own out-breath. I feel my own suffering and offer compassion to myself. I allow breath to move through my body ever so gently, connecting me to the bigger flow of life. I recognize my deepest yearning for being in balance with myself, close with the people that I care about, and in loving harmony with even the people I don't know. I sense my longing to align my life with true meaning and purpose, with my heart's intention. I feel the breath of my heart. Deep inside, I know what would assist me to feel in balance again. I allow breathing to move through my body. I allow life to breathe me as I'm breathing. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.